Backstage Pass is made possible by Mauer Productions on Stage, producers of the classic musical Men of La Mancha, opening Friday, February 6, 2009, at the Kelsey Theater in West Windsor, New Jersey. Hello, and welcome to Backstage Pass, Central New Jersey's community theater podcast. I'm John Maurer, and I'll be moderating this session where the play's the thing as we talk about Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, being presented by Pinworth Productions at the Kelsey Theater starting January 9th. Edward Albee's play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, opened on Broadway at the Billy Rose Theater on October 13, 1962. The play stunned and pleased American audiences and seemed to provide a vital insight into American life. It won both the 1963 Tony Award for Best Play and the 1962-63 New York Drama Critics Circle Award for Best Play. With me here to talk about this production are director Lou Stallsworth and actors John Shankin Kay, who plays George, and Ruth Marco, who plays Martha. Hi, John. Hi, John. Hello, John. (laughs) So, Lou, why did Pinworth choose Virginia Woolf for this production? I look at all theater, I look at all plays, I look at it from the word. The words in this script are perhaps the most finely crafted you will find on any stage. I say that without qualifiers. If you look for the perfect play, this may be it. No wasted words, no wasted beats, everything has a purpose, and and more important than that, everything is smart. What passes for popular entertainment today TV pap. To play to the lowest common denominator will be to elevate it. It's all bodily function jokes, double entendres, sexual innuendos, and then out of the mouths of babes come the words of wisdom. It's garbage. This is an intelligent script. You have to listen to it. You have to think about it. You have to recognize the intelligence, not just the playwright, but the characters who are speaking those words. I love the play. Um, the show itself, you're talking about sexual innuendo in television today, but the show is filled with sexual innuendo and for its time was raw dialogue. You're and over, was, no, no, I'm, I'm going to stop you there because mm-hmm. you're going to overstate the case. The sex is there, yes, but sex is there in, in our lives always. It's a common thing. It's a word and it's past. This isn't, this isn't an HBO show. This is a show about words. This is, a, this is a show where words are weapons. This is a show where two characters who love each other fight each other verbally. The sexual element is there, but that's not what the show is about. The show is about the brain. The show is about truth, illusion, and how we accept, reject, or redefine each of those on a daily basis. Well, when the show initially came out, it was uh, 1962. Shows on TV were Leave it to Beaver, were Father Knows Best. Uh, this show seemed to sort of strip all that away and, and showed a darker side to a marriage. Drama has always had a dark side. And you're looking at it, I think you're looking at it from a perspective that I don't embrace. And it's not about sex. And I. I I don't even want to talk about sex anymore. Let's talk about George and Martha, who love each other, invite two kids in for drinks, and then proceed to put on a show for them. And that is the beauty of it. 
we all fight on a daily basis. You can't live with someone, you can't love with someone, you can't be with them on a daily basis and not clash. How we deal with that, how we, how we bargain with each other, the bargains we make with each other, that's what this show is about. And the question of truth or illusion and what happens when somebody breaks the rule. And that's what happens. This is about somebody breaks a rule, there's a price to be paid, a penalty to be exacted for breaking the rule. If you don't ask me, ask George and Martha. Well, uh, George and Martha are here, so we're pay. going to ask them. And we're going to start ladies first, Martha. Thank so you. Ruth? Well, I, I agree with everything that Lewis said. Um, I also think that it has a lot to do with the relationship between a husband and a wife, um, which is unlike anything you expect in your imagination. Um, it's it's a, a couple who is at each other's throats apparently all the time, and yet they are so bound to one another. They're like you know the, the roots of the tree that are so entwined. Um, they depend upon each other and they love each other, but the way they react and relate to one another is through words, and sometimes the words are not very kind. In fact, often they're not very kind, I would say. But still, underlying it all is, is a real affection and a real love. Um, maybe it's not what we all aspire to, but it's real. I mean, there's all kinds of marriages out there, not just Leave it to Beaver, and uh, you know, there's all kinds of relationships there. And this is a very real relationship, I think. The, the impression, though, it sounds a bit dysfunctional. Um, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I, I, I would tend to agree that, you know, in today's terms, you would probably describe this, or one would probably describe this as a dysfunctional relationship. But I think that, as, as Ruth, Ruth was alluding, uh, there are many different ways to be functional. Uh, I think that the way I see this, and the way I see sex, in fact, in this show, is as a power lever. It's not a titillation, it's not salacious in any uh, meaning of those words, but in any relationship uh, when there is a struggle for power and control, and this relationship has a, a tremendous amount of struggle over power and control, you have uh, two big levers, and the two big levers are sex and money. This is what people tend to fight about when they fight sex and money. Or their children. Or their children. That's the third <laughs> lever. Uh, we'll leave that unsaid because that is a major uh, issue in this relationship, but in an extremely interesting way that without uh, giving away any of the plot to those individuals who are not familiar with the play, I think that uh, certainly the issue of children is a third power lever in this relationship. But the sexual element is, is really played more for its control and power aspects mm -hmm. than for any type of, of erotic uh, element. There is no eroticism in this, in this play. And there's also the money lever, or more importantly, the success lever uh, is, is played very importantly. So I think that people will recognize uh, themselves. They may not uh, recognize it to the extent, I hope, that George and Martha go at it, but I think that most people who ha are married or have been in serious relationships are going to say, ah, yeah, I understand that. I know what that's all about. Yeah, even though it may not be quite as vicious in most marriages, hopefully, you know, as it is. But the, the other thing is that it's, it's a psychological, it, it's a psychological analysis of of two individuals who 
for whatever reasons, didn't get what they wanted or what they imagined they wanted out of life. Um, Martha, I think, is particularly interesting more even than, than George because she's 52 years old in 1962, which means she was born in 1910. So she, she entered the world at a time when women were expected only to be ornaments. And at the end of the show, or, or in, 19, in 1962, um, women's roles were starting to change, and Martha really had no place in it. Um, she, she never was given an opportunity to explore herself. It was only how she related to the men in her life, specifically her father and her husband. And so I think just trying to sort of analyze Martha out is just fascinating, because there's so many different levels in, for the reasons that she does get into issues with her husband. It's not only him, it's also her relationship with her father and her relationship with her society and everything. It's, it's very rich, it's very rich. And I think a lot of people will, like John says, um, see elements of themselves in these characters, even though this is a very more dramatic, perhaps, than most people's lives. I mean, coming so. from the age that she grew up in, uh, and you said that, that basically through, a hus through her husband, and her father is where she defined herself. Mm -hmm. It's sort of the way I would assume that she would get her own power would be through her exactly. husband and his position in the university. Exactly, and when her husband doesn't satisfy that, then she's failed too. Throughout the show, you said before that they were at each other's throats. Now, they're, they're not at each other's throats in a private situation. They are in front of a small audience. They That's are right. in front of uh, Nick and Honey. Do you feel that this is something that they're doing specifically for them? Or is it being heightened for them? This is what couples do. Going through this show has, has allowed me, forced me, pick a verb, to re look back at my younger, my first marriage, and Friday nights, and the couples would get together, and we'd all have a drink. And we were all just, we were all so very close and all so very wonderful. And by the end of the night, you, somebody would have somebody's throat in their hand. And we perform differently when there is an audience. The group dynamic that goes from two to four is astounding. George and Martha, in theory, are the role models for this newly arrived professor and his wife. Well, we're going to show them a role. <laughs> we're going to give them a model. If they want to follow it, God love them and give them strength because this is a rocky road. But that's what happens in group dynamics. Mm -hmm. Take a group dynamic, add a little alcohol, somebody lock the door because hell's going to break loose. I think, oh, go ahead. I think that's particularly true when you have a situation like you have here where you've got the younger people uh, with somewhat of an advantage. They're younger. Uh, they're on the the male is on a more successful track than the older man. Uh, the woman is uh, younger and more attractive than the older woman. And yet they are as they are as flawed as are right. George and oh, Martha. I agree. But they haven't discovered it exactly. yet. Exactly. That's exactly but right. But there's this element of competition. Oh sure. And so you know there's this need I believe on on George's part on Martha's part to show that we are more vital, we are more clever, we are more erudite, we are more educated, we are more uh, whichever domain you want to use, we try and show them we're more than you. Uh, and, and we do our best in our own battles to basically reduce them. Mm -hmm. 
And also, I think the competition with them as the younger people, but also the competition between the two of us, which speaks to your to lose um, a comment about uh, group dynamics. I think sometimes couples get along better, perhaps privately, than they do publicly because they're putting on shows for for, for the public and they're competing for the that other group's attention. Do you know what I'm saying? So and there's also the element of gotcha, the, the that willingness to show off and to show everybody how. I can get you. Right. I got you. And following the failure of my first marriage, I looked at these things and I read about them and I learned. And that willingness to play gotcha in front of people is a very destructive thing. It's something I learned and I don't play that game. I'm now married 27 years, so I must have learned something the right way. Uh, but that's what happens. And then the other thing is, if you've ever taught a class and you have all men, the class is dull. Inject one woman into that class and the boys start to preen. It, 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 the, the, feathers, the, the birds ruffle their feathers. And that's, what, that's what's happening here. We, we, have, we have two couples, we have two men, two women, they're all vital. They're all capable of doing the physical thing that we like to do. And when you do that, people perform. George performs, Martha performs, Nick performs, and Honey, even Honey, sitting back there, small, quiet, but she's taking her shots. And it's all about, look at me, look at me, look at me. I love this show. It's really a fascinating show. It's a wonderful show. Would you say that uh a dig is twice as good if it's done in front of someone that can appreciate oh, it. Twice, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think I think to to affirm that, I, I, as Lou was saying, I think that often the digs are not made unless they're in public. There are right. things that people just don't say to each other unless they're in public, and you'll hear husbands or wives. Uh, say, you know, I don't like it when we go out with a group of people because you're different. And so I, I do think that those digs are, uh, are meant to be public. Uh, there's also a certain cover. There's a certain degree of, uh, uh, of cowardice, if you will, about it because you'll say something with a group of people where the, the target can't really get back at you without starting a conflagration, so you get away with it. Uh, and I do agree uh, with you, Lou, that I think that um, this happens even more with younger people. I think with, with uh, Martha and with George, um, it, it may be a little bit more unusual that they have not resolved some of these conflicts because they've been married quite a while and they've been together quite a while. And it would seem that it was exhausting uh, to do what they do over all this period of time. But then again, if you look at the time, 1962, and they were married perhaps in 1940, um, divorce was not really uh, a, a typical option, particularly for uni uh, university individuals, people who were at this level of, uh, of uh, academe and, and of uh, society. Uh, it just was not real common to get divorced, so people got married and then that was it because uh, divorce sure, carried sure a certain stigma. I'm not sure they would have gotten divorced even if it was possible. I think that they're really bound to one another for whatever ways, whatever reasons. I, I really do believe that. I mean, there's something about the dynamic that they both need to affirm something in themselves. I, I really do believe that, but who knows? But, but this show, to, to just talk again about something that Lou said, 
the language is amazing because this is the thing that I've been finding as I'm learning my lines is that a lot of it, there's a lot of stream of consciousness and there's a lot of dialogue which is very conversational and they're drunk so the conversation gets more sort of staggery and you know choppy as they're talking but then they'll come out with some sort of monologue or some sort of speech especially Martha where she's describing something and the language the words it's like poetry and yet she's supposed to be drunk it's amazing it's just amazing how he's able to write like that you know so from there what's your favorite point in the show what part of it sort of makes you say okay that's what I live for that's what I did this show for there are a few of them I think everything that she talks about in the last act you know the honesty of of the last act is for me uh, it's the best uh, and I don't want to give more away but as she gets further and further into the story she, she goes through a lot of different emotions and and the way she describes her life and her husband and the situation it's great and John I, I agree that it's difficult to say I mean there's um there's so much intensity all the way through. And the show moves from uh, fun and games, as, as Albie entitles the first act, toward uh, more tension, uh, toward more, it gets somewhat more hateful as the show goes on. And although the hateful part of it tends to be quite the more interesting part, I think, in terms of uh, human dynamics and in terms of the language um, it really is um, it's a journey and I mean it's it's kind of uh, if you if you take a, a journey and you are traveling to uh, through really wonderful uh, topography you know and you see wonderful mountains and you see wonderful vistas and you see uh, uh, all kinds of, of, of beautiful scenarios, it's, it's almost impossible. And then you say, okay, well, what was your favorite part of that trip? It's like, well, the trip, the trip, the trip was my favorite right. part, the whole thing. <laughs> it's true. And I think that for me, that's what it is. The whole journey uh, is so seamless, is so of a piece that uh, I have difficulty just separating out one piece of it because it's all so interconnected and it just flows so well um, that I, I, I really feel like I can't separate it. Lou, I know that you enjoy the entire show. You're the one who chose it. Yeah. And Lou, who supports John and Ruth in this production? Well, that's Nick and Honey. Uh, that's the audience for whom George and Martha perform. And those roles are being done by Ashley Stewart and Danny Siegel, and I'm real pleased with them. Um, the challenge of being in the supporting roles, uh, a lot of actors don't play it, uh, or won't even audition. I've got two really good people doing it, and uh, Ashley, Ashley's breathtaking at times. So yeah, it's Ashley and Danny, and I'm pleased to have them. Uh, if, if John and Ruth weren't here, I'd tell you I've got a really terrific cast, but I don't want them to hear that. <laughs> so what does Pinworth have coming up for next year? Have you chosen yet? Looking for another show with wit, wisdom, and the wonderful use of words that makes you look at Oscar Wilde. Uh, it makes you look at classics like Charlie's Aunt or something that is uh, just a little bit different piece called The Rainmaker which uh, 
Charlton Heston did as a film in the maybe late 50s, early 60s. Um, but in, and that one's another case of illusion and, and the willingness to accept it or to reject it, uh, statements of faith. Or I'll just have fun with Charlie's aunt where two young men want to have a good time with the young ladies. And in order to do that, one of them dresses up as his own aunt. And then what proceeds is period slapstick. Thanks, Lou. Performances of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf will be at the Kelsey Theater on the West Windsor campus of Mercer County College and will be on January 9th, 10th, 16th, 17th at 8 p.m. and January 11th, 18th at 2 p.m. Tickets are $14 with discounts for seniors and students. You can go to www.kelseyatmccc.org or call 609 609- 570-3333 for further information and reservations. I want to thank my guests, Lou Stallsworth, John Chankinkay, and Ruth Marco for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, thank it's been a you, pleasure. John. For Backstage Pass, I'm John Maurer. Thanks for listening.